FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 490 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm trying my best to catch up. <laughs> I'm still a little behind. Man, uh, so this is going to be Density of X Part 2. I did not realize just how much I had to read to try to catch up. Because remember, my goal is to get to the new gala issue, the Hellfire Gala, um, to celebrate 10 years of the podcast. Now, truth be told, we just passed the 10-year mark. Um at least on the day that I'm recording this, and, and probably around the time it'll come out, um, just recently celebrated 10 years. So a little bit of just kind of an extra thank you um, to all of you that have listened, whether you started year one, which a couple of you at least have, or whether you started with the last episode. It doesn't really matter. You're part of the Snick family. Just love that you listen to the show, those of you that choose to interact, and not all of you do, and that's okay. It's okay to just listen, but I do love the interaction. Um, and the friends I've made along the way. So this podcast has brought me a lot of joy, a lot of friendships. Um, just really, I don't know. It, I don't want to make it about me. That's not what I'm trying to do. But it's just been such a rewarding experience for myself. Um, and I hope that those of you who have have stuck along with the show for this long or, or been dipped in and out or whatever the case may be, I hope it's been re- of some kind of reward for you as well. I hope you enjoy the show. hope you enjoy the coverage. hope you enjoy the guest, which we will try to get that going back again soon. I promise. I'm, I'm trying really hard, y'all. I really am. Um, so I apologize this one. I know I did my first two comeback episodes in pretty quick succession, but there's, there's 15 comics, I think, if I counted right, on this episode. That is a lot. Um, so we're going to kind of blitz through them. Uh, again, closing the gap between where I left off with the uh, Ten Lies and Ten Deaths of Wolverine, kind of covering everything between that and the gala. And then hopefully after the gala, we can kind of get back into a regular rhythm, real time, start bringing some flashbacks back because I, I missed those tremendously. Plus, it's just been way too long since I've talked to John. And I know, John, you've been patiently um, waiting for me to get ready to record the next flashback episode that I asked you about months ago before I <laughs> took my inadvertent hiatus. Oh, by the way, John Wilson, of course, is the wonderful host of many podcasts. The one he's doing right now is Superman in Crisis. So if you're not checking that out, please do so. But, um, man, where to start? So many books. I'm going to go the best I can in the order that, you know, these new, ever since Talksbox, we've had kind of the, uh, I don't know, I guess the, the reading list in the back of all the X-Men issues. Some of these changed as stuff came out. I'm going to do the best I can to um, keep up with that order from issue to issue. And we'll kind of go from there. So, like I said, we're going to fly through these books. I don't know if the episode will be any shorter for it, but the coverage per issue is going to be pretty quick. And there's really not a lot of Wolverine tie-in. Um, obviously, there's some docking that I want to definitely talk about uh, a little bit. Though he's... I don't know. We'll see how involved he actually is in the book that he's in. 
But yes, I do want to make a slight amendment to my original plan. So I'm still going to try to do all these in two episodes. But originally, I was just going to do everything. Just kind of cut it in half, do everything. I decided to kind of, even though the Excaliburs, bless them, are not with me. They are with me in spirit. I'm going to kind of keep the books that I had normally done with them together. And then the next episode, I'm going to catch up kind of, well, yeah. So basically, the next episode, the last episode before the gala, will focus on X-Force, X-Men, Finishing Up Sabretooth, and Wolverine. And then this episode is kind of everything else. Um, so the ones that are really Wolverine-centric, either Logan or Laura, I'm, I'm going to save for next episode. And these ones, and, and hopefully find a way to go through them a little closer to normal speed. Though, thanking Clint for the feedback. Clint really liked the uh, blitz on the last episode, especially for some of the books he's not reading as much. He enjoyed the quick coverage. And I know some others enjoyed it as well. So... I haven't decided really where we'll shake down kind of in quote-unquote the new format on current issues once we get past the gala. But for this one, I'm going to blitz. The next one, we'll see. I'm, I'm not going to try to go fast, but there's still going to be quite a few issues. I think eight, maybe. So I'll still have to move kind of quick. But um, anyway, that's much ado about nothing. You don't really care about all that. I'm the one that has to worry about all that. What you care about are the freaking comics. That's what we're going to get to. We're going to start off with Immortal X-Men number two. This is Here Comes the Harvest, or part two, All Mankind's Woes, written by Karen Gillen, art by Lucas Vernack, art colors by David Carriel, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Mueller, and Mark Brooks does the cover. And on this cover we have... A giant Selene fighting with Exodus, Storm, and Magneto. It's a, it's a pretty good cover. Alright, so in this one, Selene retires to London as her animated gate worm monster terrorizes Krakoa. Magneto and Storm combo power to attack, but Destiny says that attacking the creature is somehow messing with time and space, so they back off. Hope and Exodus combine to contain the creature, while Sinister injects himself with an early Chimera Serum. Remember, we've seen flashes of that in some of the different futures we saw in Hawksbox. So this is an early version of his Chimera project. And he shoots himself up with it, and uses the array of mutant powers to drag the creature into the ocean where it explodes. Hope steals magic power and teleports to England to kill Selene. She has Selene resurrected and immediately has Exodus manipulate her mind to turn the monster off. But somehow this gives Destiny like a precog seizure. Um, so in the first issue, I really liked Sinister as a narrator. This one we switched to Hope as a narrator. So it kind of answers the question, and we'll, as we see as we get through this episode, the, narrates, the narrator is going to kind of switch from issue to issue, which is a, you know, a cool little trope to do. Um... I enjoyed Hope. Um, the only thing I wasn't sure about this, this issue, not really completely sure how the gate monster is affecting Destiny. Hopefully that's clarified a little bit more going forward. Um, I not, don't know if I can say for sure that it really is, but um, anyway, it, it's doing something to Destiny. Now Destiny and how she deals with it will 100% be clarified, we'll see shortly. But how the gate caused that or inter interacting with her I don't know if we can get a real good explanation or not. But um, anyway, awesome art again. Uh, 
Lucas Vernick or Wernick continues to just kind of grow into kind of his, his best form so far. And maybe it'll just keep getting better. I don't know. But right now, he's definitely delivering his A game. Um, I'm going to give this book five out of six claws. Still enjoying it as a whole. All right. So next up is Marauders number two. This is The New Marauders or Extinction Agenda Part 2. But not X Tinction. <laughs> For you 90s fans, just the word extinction. Um, all right, this is written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleonora Carlini, colors by Matt Mia, uh, letters and production by VCs Ariana Mayer and Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Mueller, cover by Kale New. I hope I say that right. Um, it's a pretty good cover. I actually wish he was doing some on the other art but um anyway we have eric the red standing powerfully behind a kneeling cassandra nova who's doing like a a ghost thing with her head like when you shake it real fast and you get like a ghost image like in a horror movie it's a, it's a pretty cool cover all right so the majestrix has doubts about fighting mutant mutants but the red guard convinced her to remain steadfast for now Fighty fight, fighty fight. Marauders do okay versus Eric the Red, but lose ground quickly when other Reds show up. Somnus sucks them into dreamland. Um, Dawkins doesn't really have a whole lot to do in this issue. Um, I think he, you know, he obviously he participates in the fighty fight, and that's about it. Alright, so again, overall plot is interesting. The actual scripting and the art are just okay. I'm going to stick with my, so I, I made, I scored as I went issue by issue, not really changing as, we, anyway, um, regardless of where I'm going to land up on this series in general, um, I'm going to give issue number two, three out of six claws. That may be a slight spoiler for how this episode goes, but um, anyway, yeah, that's that one. It's, it's kind of, I think it's trying to be thick and dense, but not so much. It's kind of a light read. Um, Alright, X-Men Red number two will be next. This is Who Can Tame the Red Planet? Who I bet Storm can. Or Man on Fire. A good movie in my memory. I have not seen it in... I don't know if decades plural is quite right. I don't even know if it's 20 years old or not. But a long time. But I remember liking it. Of course, I... I can watch Denzel watch his hair. Like, he's so charismatic to me. But anyway, I, you know, I wonder, do younger generations feel the same way? Because for us, like, Gen Xer, like, tail end Gen Xers and um, my brother's generation, which I guess would be the, the very first of the millennials, um, or Gen Y, maybe. I, I can get confused on how that all breaks down. But um, anyway, like, for us, just a very deep fascination and respect for what Denzel did as an actor. I wonder if, if new generations who only had old Denzel or older Denzel, which I still like, by the way, but didn't really have him in this complete zeitgeist, I wonder how that... I'm always, always curious how that stuff translates, right? What's what's someone's legacy? I mean, I'm sure y'all have your your favorite character actors, some of whom I probably don't even know. Um, I definitely, when I look out on on social media and stuff, there's people that are celebrities that I'm like, who? <laughs> but, um, sorry. As, that was like the gruffiest old man first thing I've said in a long time. But, um, anyway, I do get 
this is a, a rabbit not worth chasing. Let's get back to X-Men Red, shall we? Um, this is going to be, I lost my credits again, uh, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, uh, colors by Federico Brie, letters of production by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo! Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen with design, or Bowen, uh, Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson with the cover. And we have a cover of Storm fighting Vulcan. It's very well drawn. Uh, Vulcan almost looks like he's just, he's in a glee fight. Like he's, he's so happy to be fighting Storm. <laughs> just got this shitting and grin. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yeah, fighting Storm. Um, all right. Um, all right. So, via flashback, we find out that Vulcan is unstable and made imaginary friends. So, his two friends we saw uh, the last time we kind of saw Vul- Vulcan walking around, they were not real, turns out. They're imaginary. Um, when Xavier and Cyclops confront him, he literally explodes. So, of course, Brand recruits him for her X Men Red team. Eden smells her BS and quits. Yay! And because I like him, I like him to be on the right side. And she arranges for the progenitors to attack Ariko so her X-Men can save them. Problem is, Arakoans don't want to be saved, just as a people. They want to fight their own battles. Um, Cable dies in the confusion, and Vulcan gets offended until Storm's Brotherhood comes in to fight alongside Ariko. Key distinction, fight alongside with them. Uh, to run the enemies off and embarrass the quote-unquote X-Men. Brand needs a propaganda victory, so she points Vulcan at Tarn the Uncaring to be continued. This is an awesome issue, and an awesome book. Um, there's a part in here where Brand talks about underestimating Storm. I love that. I love that Storm is being just killer badass in this series so far. Um, you know, She says a line, uh, Brand says, I thought I had the Queen of Wakanda, but instead I got the Queen of the Morlocks. Oh, what a line! What a great line! Oh, man. That's awesome. And nothing wrong. That's not a slight. I mean, Brand is probably means it uh, derivatively, or as a slight, but I mean, obviously, being Queen of Wakanda is pretty awesome. But, I think what she means there is more of you know, kind of the dignity and you know, the diplomacy and instead, she got Mohawk Storm fighting in the sewer, not always having her powers, beating Callisto with the switchblade. Um, that, oh man, and the line gave me chills. I love it. Um, so yeah, uh, guess what, guys? I'm going to give X-Men Red, number two, six out of six claws. My goodness, what a great comic book. If you're not reading this one, um, you should be. It's... Probably one of the stronger of the lines. And there's several that are pretty strong. Now we're starting to see a line of demarcation. Um, Alright. So we're going to move on to Knights of X number 2. This is Imperative, or Part 2, Never Split the Party. Good advice. Uh, written by Teeny Howard. Art by Bob Quinn. Colors by Eric Arseniega. Um, designed by Tom Mueller. Uh... Oh, there we are. Uh, Yannick Paquette and Alejandro Sanchez do the cover. And I don't remember what it looks like, because I actually got the variant cover by, um, I believe I have the one by Mateus Manhanini. And it's cool, it's Rachel and Storm. Actually, and the hair looks white, but it's obviously 
And she looks kind of dark, but it's obviously the uh, butterfly for Captain Britain and the sword. I don't know why it says storm. I think the coloration threw me off a little bit. But yeah, it's Rachel and Captain Britain posing. It's, it's a nice cover. All right. So the Knights of X sidebar from the request for the Siege Perilous to rescue Mad Jim Jaspers. Uh, Jubilee note, she begs Betsy to take care of Shogo, who promises to drop him off with Roma. Uh, Gambit, nope. Uh, Gambit buys his way into the Winterbreed hideout with Pop-Tarts and candy. I love this. And a sweet moment between him and Megan, where he misses Rogue, and she assures him that Rogue misses him as well. Um, it's a fine issue. Kind of fun. Um... Two out of four aces probably equivalents to like a three out of six claws, but I only bring that up not to deviate from my Gambit score, my Gambit Gumbo score. But um, while it's a similar score, I like it better than Marauders. So you know, we're talking the hierarchy of the books there. I put it, I do put it above Marauders. Um, all right, next up is Legion of X number two. This is possession is nine tenths of the law. Or let us pray, but pray P R E Y. Cy uh, Spurrier is the writer. Uh, Jan Balzudua, or Balzudua is the artist. Colors by Federico Bli. Uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Designed by Tom Mueller and J. Bowen. And then uh, VCs Clayton Cowles with the production. Dike Ruan, or Dike Ruan, and Matthew Wilson do the cover. I really like the cover. I really like Ruan as an artist. Um, we have this new person that they met in the dreamscape with a crystal ball and a fiery skull and then uh, Nightcrawler and Banshee looking on in, in horror. It's a nice cover. I like it a lot. Meh! <laughs> this issue's okay. Uh, not bad art. There's a really cool beast fight. Um, he fights this new character. Oh, uh, the character that came over with Nightcrawler from Ariko. Uh, she tries to sneak into the X-Force lab and Beast fights her. It's a really cool scene. Um, weaponless Zen. Yes. Um, I did not like this one as much as issue one. And I think I, if I remember right, I'm not going to look ahead, but I think I like issue three a little better. I'm going to give this one just a straight three out of six claws and don't really have a lot to say about it. So, with that, we're going to go to the next round. We are trucking. Man, we're doing good on time. <laughs> Not that it's a race. Um, Alright. It took me so much longer to read these than to t- <laughs> read my notes. But I guess that's appropriate. Um, Immortal X-Men number three. The next one. So. Where are the credits? Alright. Write what you know, but know everything. Uh, part three. The New Testament of Irene Adler. Written by Karen Gillen, art by Lucas Vernick, colors by Dijon Lima, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen do design, VCs Clayton Cowles does production, and Mark Brooks does the cover. And on the cover we have Destiny in color, and inside the folds of her cape in like a sepia tone, we have other members of the Quiet Council um, looking very regal. It's a nice cover. Alright, so, um, this one, and we get really nice insight into Destiny as she reflects on her love for Mystique. She's been seeing big futures of capital Fs, all of which end in horrible violence and total darkness. And one vision she also, what I mean by that, like, 
kind of big picture, like, not a lot of detail, just kind of overarching, like, this is the future, um, and how it's going to end. Not as much detail. Uh, in one reason, she also realizes that Sinister has Moira clones. She approaches the Quiet Council with news of a war coming soon. Which I don't know is, is that's Judgment Day, like, act stuff, or, um, something completely isolated in this book. Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, she also reveals to the reader, as she's keeping her new diary, that none of the futures have a mystique in them. Um, oh my goodness, not really any Wolverine to talk about, but a very, very touching issue. Great art. Again, six out of six claws for me on this one. Um, I love this issue. It's so good. And this book has been so good. All right. With that, we're going to go to Marauders number three. Marooned in Space or Extinction Agenda Part 3. Uh, I believe exactly all on the same credits for number two. So, our cover this time has our Marauders surrounded by space guns. This is a fine cover. Alright, so the Marauders quote-unquote wake up and make their play, but Xandra intervenes. She's going to hear Krakoa out regardless of her royal advice. Delphos continues to protest, but Xandra puts her in her place and agrees to accompany the Marauders on the request for truth. This is an awesome scene. Uh, they go to a Shi'ar interdimensional library prison where Imperial secrets are also stored, but upon arrival, the Reds make their move and execute their own majestic for treason. Writing much better in this issue, the intrigue grows. I really like the strong take on Xandra. I'm still struggling with the art in this issue, um, other than trying to fight Gladiator, Dawkins is mostly just an angry wallflower. Um, it's my favorite issue of this series so far, of this volume so far. Um, I'm going to give it a soft 4 out of 6 claws. Wish Dawkins had a little more to do for the purposes of the podcast, though I understand he's not the main character, so it's, it's okay. Alright, so now I'm going to interject uh, New Mutants number 26. So... This is The Labors of Magic, Book 2, or Best Laid Plans. Written by Vida Ayala. Rod Reyes does the art on the main story. Jan Jacima does the art on the flashbacks. Ruth Redmond does the colors on the flashback. VCs Travis Lanham does letters and colors. Tom Mueller and Jay Ballin do design. Lino Francis Yu and Sonny Go do the cover. And the cover is Magic Breaking Through. A mirror. It looks okay. I like use uh, art a lot, and I like his take on a lot of characters. I don't love his magic. Um, Alright. I think I talked about that on the when we did 25. But um, anyway. In our winter limbo land magic, Danny and Rain, oh, and Maddie Fryer, find old lady magic with a warlock, sword-fighting, techno-organic demons. Ileana helps her oldest self-defeat, helps her older, not oldest, <laughs> hopefully. Um, hopefully she continues to get older. Um, Ileana helps her older self defeat Sim and the demons by using Warlock as a virus to undo the transmode. Our magic uses the remains of Sim's soul to fashion a new temporary black soul sword. Um, I know that was fast, and from a summary, that's really all you need, but the art and the writing in this book are so fantastic. Um, I can't even, it really defies description. It's so good. Uh, this continues to be the perfect comic book. Uh, six out of six claws plus. It's my highest recommendations. I love this book. So much. So much. 
I do miss Gabby and Jonathan the Wolverine, but I cannot count that against this current story because it's just too, too good. All right. So with that, we're going to go to X-Men Red number three. This is Power Grab or Loss. A little bit different credit that we have in addition to Federico Bui, we also have Proto Bunkers, Fernando Cifuentes, Cifuentes, sorry, uh, doing colors. I think everything else is the same. On the cover, we have Tarn the Uncaring disintegrating Magneto into like a protoplasmic ooze. Alright, so with Brand's prompting, Vulcan challenges Tarn, and Tarn kills him for the trouble. Magneto then swoops in to challenge Tarn. By the way, this is, this is in their or they don't have the crucible, they have the deadweed ring, I think is what it's called. The circle perilous. There you go. Um, so that's what, when I say they challenge, that's what I mean. Um, so after Karn kills Magneto, Magneto then swoops in to challenge Tarn. Knowing she cannot lose, that's her power, Roberto bets Iska the Unbeaten that Tarn wins. So, in other words, he has to lose the bet by her mutant powers. Um, and so, Magneto obviously can win. Um, so, Iska murders Sunspot for his trickery, but she can't lose the bet. Magneto puts his helmet on Tarn to block his mental powers, and then crushes his head with it, claiming the seat of loss. And what a great, smartly written comic, and Caselli stepping up even more than he has been. Uh, the page of Magneto's face mourning his daughter are amazing. So he talks about his first daughter, um, and we just get a series of like emotive faces and he, as he kind of goes through it and eventually breaks down into tears. Um, as he at first kind of rejects the idea of you know helping Storm. He just kind of wants to be a hermit on Mars. Um, and he knows he's going to get dragged in, and of course, eventually, uh, Han Solo's his way into the story by coming, swooping back in at the last minute um, to fight Tarn, and claiming the seat of loss is such a brilliant comic. I love this book so much. Um, six out of six claws for X Men Red, number three. All right, so now we move on to Knights of X number three. This is Impulse, or Part 3, Kill Your Darlings. Um, I believe everything is the same. This cover is one of my, probably one of my favorite of this group of books. It's uh, Gambit jumping above some warriors, throwing some of his tarot cards, and it looks really cool. It's really amazing. Maybe the uh, the image for this episode. We'll see. Um, Alright, so as they protect a town from Otherworld Furies, Gambit and Rachel argue over whether they need to wait for Captain Britain to rescue Mad Jim. Gambit says nay! Uh, Betsy, Shatterstar, and Richter find death among the Vampire Kingdom and ask for help reading the Book of Apocalypse. They don't find their own death, the character death. The, uh, the guy with the Egyptian dog helmet that danced with Storm at the last gala. Um, so yeah, they find him, they want him his help reading the Book of Apocalypse. And we get a flashback. Flashback, where Apocalypse gave a piece of Otherworld to Mr. M in exchange for hiding the Siege Perilous. Uh, the Knights do regroup, of X, by the way, to rescue Mad Jim from execution. To save the team, Gambit appears to sacrifice himself by attacking Merlin, 
with a charged tarot card of death he stole from the Starlight Citadel. So there is a really sweet scene between Richter and Shatterstar. Uh, the Gambit death is well done. I do wonder if he's actually dead. Um, well, at least for next issue he won't be around. Um, and if so, what he's resurrected as. That's what I'm really curious about, right? Because we know he died, it looks like, on Otherworld. So how will he come back when he's resurrected? Um, fantastic art. A very strong three out of four aces. This is probably like four or five out of six claws for those of you trying to convert. But the Gambit Gumbo score is three out of four aces. Obviously, you're going to miss him being in this book if that is the case long term. But, I mean, in, in, a world, in a world where death doesn't mean much to the mutants, this is a pretty good one still. Um, obviously, hate to see it happen to Gambit, but um, a, a pretty strong issue, pretty strong story for Knights of X. All right, Legion of X number three. Skinny dipping for the brain, or we're all mad here. It's like all the same credits. I love this cover. So we have like a cartoon, almost Nightcrawler, Juggernaut, and Pixie running away from animation and teddy bears and dragons. Uh, I really like it a lot. So in this issue, Blindfold takes Nightcrawler and Zen to try and find the Fugitive God from Ariko in kind of the dreamscape. Uh, it turns out the God and the Skin Jacker case are one and the same. This one is hard to summarize. But there's a lot of great conversation and a lot of interplay and gorgeous art, especially the astral stuff. So why two didn't really do it for me. One was pretty solid. Two I struggled with a little bit. This one I really liked. Uh, so I'm going to give Legion of X number three five out of six claws. And I obviously love the focus on Nightcrawler as well. All right, so to the next round we go. Immortal X-Men number four. Oh, yank, zoinks. I'm going to cheat. And because that interacts like interchangeably with the Hellfire Gala issue. So I'm going to move this issue to that episode. So, Dan and Georgie and Ian, if you're listening, uh, obviously I'll send you a note as well. But um, we'll do um, Immortal X Men number four when we do the Gala. So, with that said, we're going to skip on over to X Men Red number four because I could not stop for death or three short stories about death. It's like the same uh, creative credits on the cover. We have Rock Slide's foot. And then we have Roberto Sunspot climbing out of her resurrection egg. It looks awesome. This is a great cover. It's really fantastic. Check it out. Um, so the Great Ring, which is a, the Oracle version of the Quiet Council, debates whether resurrected mutants, which by the way, Ariko as a race, culture, whatever, denies resurrection. So they're debating whether resurrected mutants can hold a seat. Uh, CR call an emergency session over the death of Majestrix Zandra. To appease Ariko, Magneto destroys he and Storm's only backup. So they can't be resurrected anymore. So the, the whole Ariko thing as a race of warriors is resurrection takes away the stakes. We've had some X-Men readers argue the same thing. Um, I think they're playing within that rule and I, with interesting stories. But, you know, I get the argument. But from definitely from an Arico civilization standpoint, 
Like, no, we are, our glory and our battles mean nothing if we can just come back. So Magneto makes a pretty bold move by destroying the backups for him and Storm so that they would not be resurrected and therefore giving them a stronger claim to their seats on the great ring of Ariko. Um, so anyway, while the Galactic Council deba- debates against resurrecting Xandra, Storm informs them it's already done. Um, there's a great issue here. I really loved what Ewing did with Wrong Slide. Um, Roberto befriends kind of this, this messed up resurrection of Rock Slide. And basically says, you know, why don't you come with me to Mars and just get a new start? Don't worry about who you've been. Just be who you are. Um, great art. Great story. Again, X-Men Red with six out of six claws. Such a, a, a good book. All right. Now we're going to move to Marauders number four. Pan-Dimensional Prison Break or Extinction Agenda Part 4. Looks like all the credits are the same. I like this cover. We have a Tempo sitting on a rock, still checking her phone, being bored. And in the back, blurry, are the Marauders fighting. Um... So the Marauders continue to fight their way through the Shi'ar prison, and Cape Pride dies. Tifo slows down time so they can move unscathed into the inner prison. The Chronicle is not a book at all, <gasps> no, but a person. Uh, Tifo freezes him while Psylocke and Cassandra Nova read his mind. The first blood and the first shame. Eons ago, primitive, primitive Shi'ar found Earth and tried to raid an ancient mutant civilization. They failed, but much blood was spilt. Then they observed and waited. The prehistoric mutants died out. So now, for very unclear reasons, Bishop makes Tempo go back in time to Asteroid M. Alright, I thought we were going somewhere with this book. It gets off track, I feel like, personally. If you really love this book, please let me know. Um, but I did not like this issue at all. Um, it's really muddy. I no longer get the stakes. I just said, don't. I don't know what's going on or why it's important. Um, I, like I said, I really thought this issue was turning around for me in issue three. But right now, I just don't really want to read it anymore. I mean, I will. Dawkins in it. I'll keep up. But um, I, th- I think it, it doesn't help. I don't really like the art either. Um, I actually kind of actively hated this issue. Uh, it's going to be my lowest issue of the episode. I'm going to give it one out of six claws. Uh, Dawkins doesn't really do anything besides just be angry and fight, which... I mean, it's fine. He's, he's an aggressive guy. He's kind of aggro, but I like him with a little more snark and just a little less... Arr! But anyway, I don't know what asked me, I guess. So let's, let's just quickly move on. We're going to go to mu- new mutants, not moo mutants. <laughs> All the cows. Um, new mutants number 27. So this one... I don't remember if Travis Landon did the letters last time or not, but he does this time. I really like this cover, because it's not all magic front and center. We have a very beastly rat rabbit <laughs> leading uh, Magic Rain and Danny down a winding staircase into the dark with a candle and then some foreboding um, eyes and mouth coming out of the black in the background. I really like this cover a lot, mostly because of the monster. Um, Alright, so while our heroes play adventures in Limbo Land, they stumble into a time 
where young Ileana tried unsuccessfully to cast the spell home, but instead temporarily recast Limbo into Wonderland and summoned Colossus. The two Ilianas and Peter defeat Red King Velasco, but young Ileana won't leave with them. But Colossus will, and I mean, I'm trying to remember why they're so mad at each other. Uh, my ex cred just slipped. Uh, but, but Peter and Ileana, have, there's a lot of tension there. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out as they continue on this adventure together. Um, and really excited to see how it plays out. Um, another perfect new mutants issue. Still miss Gabby, and she's not really anywhere else. But um, six out of six claws. This book is so good. So, so good. Maybe the best book on the shelf for Marvel right now, just overall. But anyway, um, next we'll do Knights of X number four. So this is Impassable, or part four, The Seat of the Self. I think everything's the same here, and we definitely do not have any Gambit. So, um, Gambit sacrifice. Oh, wait, sorry. The cover, though, by Paquette, is Betsy approaching the Siege Perilous, but the inside glass part is all shattered. It's a nice cover. Alright, so Gambit Sacrifice opens the way to Mercator, which is where Mr. M's land and Otherworld. And Mad Jim gives the knights a portal, but Arthur also gets through. But the land itself is also actually the Siege Perilous, and Rachel must pull her friends out of visions of their fears. Once reunited, they are greeted by Mr. M, who tells them Shogo is on his way with Saturnine and Roma, pursued by, by Merlin. Oh, and Betsy and Rachel kiss. That's good. Um, since Gambit is gone, we'll do three out of six claws. It was an okay issue. Um, I do really, obviously, saw a lot of, of ex-spoilers about the kiss. And I'm very happy for fans and the characters, and I've been waiting for some of this to be more explicitly stated. It's pretty awesome. And it's a beautiful scene. Beautiful kiss. Um, turns out, at first you think that uh, Betsy's creating all these kind of like um, day glow butterflies. Turns out it's actually Mr. M transmuting the butterflies. But either way, it's a nice... It's a full-page splash of like an inset caption in the bottom right. Um, it's just it's a great panel, a great scene. And I'm very happy for people who have been waiting for this a long time. You finally get to see it realized. It's awesome. And some more just kind of explicit, right? Like, we have a lot of subtext with LGBTQ plus stuff. But whenever we get it more explicitly stated, obviously, especially in the X-Men corner of the universe, is is a great thing. And I love seeing it and just happy to see it spelled out on the page, you know, more explicitly. And the better representation, right? So, um, yeah, that part I like. The, the issue itself was kind of... I don't know. It was okay. Got a little dull in a couple of places. Um, so that's why I gave it three out of six claws. But um, that's not bad. It's, it's a fine issue. With some, so a couple of really neat things, like we talked about. Wow, we're at the end. Legion of X number four. Make love, not sex. Like S-E-C-T. Sect. Um, or pillow talk. Um, all of the same... Creatives, this cover it has our I'm trying to remember this person's name. The white lady with the white mask. And she doesn't get a little oh yeah, she does. Mother Righteous. Righteous. And Loki, and then we have the other uh Ara Cohen god that is found here. 
and they're flanking uh, Nightcrawler and Zen the Weaponless from the bottom. And then in the back behind the logo, a purple silhouette of the head of Galactus. So a pretty full cover. Um, lots of talking talk. Kurt finds the missing god who reveals his first acolyte on Ariko is actually the big gnarly eyeball. There's some interesting questions in the dialogue and good, but ultimately not extremely satisfying. I'm going to give Legion of X number 4 3 out of 6 claws. So there you have it. Our non-Wolverine path to the gala. Um, so like I said, next issue we'll cover our main Wolverine characters on their path to the gala and we'll get all the way there and we'll be ready to go. So hope you enjoyed the issue. Um, it's slightly below average size. So it's not a bonus episode, not a, b- b- a bonus episode, but not really a full size episode either. It's kind of in between. It's the teenage years. I don't know why I'm trying to find an analogy. It doesn't matter. But the point is, um, overall, enjoying most of the books, some more than others. When, after the next episode, when I do all the books, I would do like what my average is so far. I kind of re-rank the books, which I kind of very poorly did last episode because I kept forgetting what I, where I had them. I can actually write it down and do actual averages. But obviously, um, New Mutants, Immortal X-Men, and X-Men Red are at the top of this episode's heap with um, Knights of X... You know, kind of next, and the Legion of X kind of right there, and the Marauders kind of at the bottom for me. Um, and we'll see how the uh, Wolverine, X-Force, and um, X-Men play into that ranking next time. But um, overall, happy with the books. Really loving a couple of them to death. Um, and then and the rest are not bad. So, there you go. Um, as always... For the podcast that goes snicked, please like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And we'll do a whole bunch of a whole bunch of issues next time as well. So whole lot of comics coming up. I'm gonna I've started reading them. I'm trying to get through it faster, trying to read quicker, but not so quick that I don't get it right. Like so there's a lot going on in some of these books, and I want to make sure I, I absorb it. Um and of course, if you're interested in my 70s reading with Marvel, uh, that's all over my Twitter right now. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that reading like while walking the dog or at night. Um, so, I'm reading most of my X-Men stuff still on paper. So I actually have to like kind of sit down and read it. Um, but, yeah, you know, there you go. That's the mission. So, please everyone, continue to stay well and safe out there for all those of you who have recently or about to start school or have kids to start school or whatever. Hope that all goes well and just nothing but love for everybody. Uh, ten years, it's nuts. I cannot promise another ten y'all, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right now, I'm just trying to get through this next year. And then, you know, hopefully things will kind of even out and be more back to normal at that point. Um, I do have my just kind of, I guess, a medical update uh, for those of you that are still listening. Uh, I do have my procedure scheduled. It won't be until November. Uh, it's as soon as I can get me in, unless I wanted it to do, like, literally tomorrow as the time I'm recording this. And having three or four days is just not enough time to get work sussed out. I, I couldn't do that. So I'm going to be out for up to two weeks, at least one week, possibly two, depending on how the recovery goes and... You know, that takes some preparation. You can't just kind of drop that 
on a dime. But um, anyway, uh, any positive thoughts or vibes definitely appreciated as we get closer to that date. But um, yeah, love all y'all. Thanks for listening so much. It really does mean the world to me that you take the time to listen to my crappy little Wolverine podcast with my, uh, according to iTunes, sometimes annoying voice. <laughs> I will never let that go. But um, anyway, <laughs> I just enjoy the heck out of doing this and hope y'all enjoy it too. And so until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye and snacked.